You are listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Rogue. Each week we design new decks for tournament play. We put our creations to the test and share our findings on the air. Yorian is banned in modern, and Mord is completely in shambles. Is the modern ban list serving its purpose? Many cards could be safely unbanned in modern. Today we'll tell you which ones and why. That's all coming up on Faith is Brewing. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show! Welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast, brewers and brewerettes around the world. You might have wondering why I have gathered you today on this fine episode of the Faithless Brewing alongside our favorite CEO, Daniel Shriver. It is because a dark episode of our history has arrived, at least upon me, not so much upon my beautiful co-hosts who are having the time of their life laughing at our pain, but tonight we gather in the crying of our noodly boy. You can hear Dan laughing at my pain, my inner pain of this pain that someone has tossed a loved one. A noodly boy that had gathered me and 20 extra cards for the last months, even years. You know how hard it is to shuffle 60 cards, Dan? All this hand for so little cards. Life is not the same. I don't know when it's appropriate <laughs> to speak at a funeral, so all I can do is laugh. I'm sorry, Mort. <laughs> I laughed ah, at Yorian's yeah. funeral. I'm so sorry, but that was a beautiful eulogy. That was beautiful. We're going to miss our noodly boy, but suddenly it's time to come forward and really, really hope that we can keep going and maybe just delve into Pioneer where boy is still alive. <laughs> so, last week, David and I made like a few predictions about what we thought might get banned should get banned, won't get banned, etc. I did say I'd like to see Yorian banned. I hope I didn't speak this evil into existence. Now, obviously, the reasoning that I gave was just like, companion is bullshit, and I think David agrees. That's not the reasoning that Wizards gave. They gave very different reasoning. I don't want to claim, like, called shot or triumph or anything. I'm actually, I'm fairly surprised based on the reasoning they gave. We'll get into all of that, but I do just want to acknowledge that it might have been selfish of me to like wish for that, to put this evil eye into the world, because I know more you're suffering this loss very personally. <laughs> Worst part is you enter the ocean and it reads, Mordcap has been furious and bedridden for days. Doctors diagnose him with a broken heart. He has lost the will to keep fighting. The worst part about that is that I'm talking with a 102 degree fever. I I'm just <laughs> trying not to cry as I play wizards with not enough cards for my willing. I mean, it's true. The last few days, you've just been... <laughs> your health is rapidly deteriorating. You're like uh, Padme giving birth. She just couldn't go on. I just couldn't keep going. Um. Padme giving birth. She died of a broken heart. Clearly, that was what killed her. Exactly. So today is all about BNR. Uh, we'll talk about the Yorian ban. We'll talk about what it means for modern... Can we build 60-card decks? Is that even possible? Can Mord build 60-card decks? And what does this mean for brewing after Yorian? 
But I think that's actually not that big of a discussion. I don't know if you agree with me or not. I don't think there's going to be a huge change in the metagame. But this has prompted a larger discussion of like, what's the state of the modern ban list right now? Can something be unbanned? So I think that'll be an interesting topic to dig into. I know you have some thoughts on that, and I've got my little write-up as well. Yeah, so I think that's like a really interesting topic, mostly nowadays. Of course, I have my own takes on that that I think really differ from yours, but mostly I think the most of the conversation relies about what should the ban list do? Which is a conversation I have had with a lot of friends where we diverge on like the basis of its concept. Interesting. Getting a little philosophical. Okay. Well, before we dive into all that, we do have some housekeeping at the top. We have some new patrons to welcome. A bunch of new patrons. Yeah. So we want to give a big welcome to Edelweiss MTG, Corey B, Luke V, Stefan K, No Skin DLX, Sam C, Tyler M, and Adam J. Thank you, thank you very much to all those individuals for joining the Faithless family. Also want to give a shout out to Dylan J for increasing their pledge. We really appreciate that. That means a lot. Every contribution just helps keep us going, helps keep making these contents, even in the darkest times. Yeah. Nothing more beautiful after seeing my baby boy being buried than seeing more patrons showing up, just showing the cause. Maybe eventually we can lead a riot large enough. I say that as if people will follow me. You're all cheering my death. <laughs> I'm trying to rally allies and they're, all ra- and they're all laughing behind my back with Dan. All the pain. All the betrayal. Is it a coincidence that we have all these new patrons right after our conspiracy theory episode? Are these new residents of Conspiracy Town? I don't know. We've gone from <laughs> population one to like population eight or nine, perhaps. <laughs> all these people following because you are right. And Jero got killed. Your prediction was bittersweet. <laughs> well, as always, if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing. That's where you can sign up. You'll get Discord access. You'll get other perks as well. We have ongoing monthly projects. Um, Project Joda is going on in the background. I think we haven't had the courage yet to sleeve up the decks, but we'll be testing those very soon, reporting on our findings, and we'll have another round of voting coming up to choose a new card. You can find all that in the Patreon and the Discord is a wonderful place to make sense of all these confusing times. Confusing times lead to confusing phrases. Exactly. I mean, just look at Hori Dishin. All right, Mord. I know it hurts, but we gotta talk about it. Let's get into this BNR. October 10th, banned and restricted. What was the reasoning that Wizards gave? Um, they didn't want their game to be racist against people with little hands. Also, people with little hands, fuck you. Sorry, people with little hands that complain about Yorion, screw you. I apologize. Emmy is going through a difficult time emotionally right now. <laughs> he doesn't mean that. He's not himself right now. But yes, this was one of those not quite power level bands. It was sort of a similar, I think it's the most similar one to this, is the um, second sunrise ban. Or the KCI ban regarding not a power level logistic, but rather a gameplay one. Yeah, so key takeaways from the article. One, they said they've been considering this for some time. 
there was a strong emphasis on the return of paper play because they consider this a dexterity issue. When you're playing with an 80 card deck, it's more difficult to randomize that properly. It takes a little more time to shuffle. This is a theory, at least. The game feels more cumbersome. They do acknowledge what they call game balance concerns. They didn't give any specific numbers, but they said that uh, the most common your index, four-color Omnath, or now five-color Omnath, we should say, did have a strong win rate likely to rise in popularity. I don't know what that means, but that's what they said. Hmm. I think it was because people were playing it, even if they didn't. Like, the deck was winning, but maybe it's a mixture of it being a good deck and people complaining about it that leads to the banning. Like, when people playing the deck complain about it, it sort of adds up pretty fast, more fast than people that don't play the deck, right? Okay, I mean, that makes some sense, but that feels like it's not enough of a reason. Oh no, I agree. Trust me. So the most important thing about this announcement, from my perspective, is what they did not say. They did not say anything about the companion mechanic. In fact, the word companion just did not appear anywhere in the announcement. I'm very upset about this. David has publicly called for the tarring and feathering, the public shaming of everyone involved in the companion mechanic. They haven't done that. They're holding their ground. They're not acknowledging the companion as a problem. They even went so far as to say that they have concerns about, quote, repetitive gameplay patterns from the Yorian trigger. But they didn't say because it's a companion. They just said, oh, yeah, it's annoying to have to keep doing the trigger. Well, it happens every game. That's why it's repetitive. It's because you always just get to draw the Yorian. This part was infuriating to me. Yeah. It just didn't make much sense. My biggest problem, so I had said this remarkably a number of times around the ban. I wasn't particularly annoyed by the Yorian ban. Like, that day I had to take the bus for a few hours, so I had already started thinking about the ban from like 8am. And I had reached a point of peace with myself because I was like, okay, the most likely ban is Red and Six. Then after that is Red and Six plus Yorian. So regardless if Yorian dies, I can at least play, start brewing more with other stuff because I don't have to play Red and Six. So when that band came, that was what just was like, wow, that sucks. <laughs> so speaking of Renan 6, another thing they cite specifically is frequent shuffling because of fetch lands in the modern format causes a lot of downtime in the games. And, you know, the combination of fetch lands with frequent shuffling in 80 card decks is just too cumbersome. Yorian does not make you shuffle, right? This is a fetch land issue. And a fetch land issue is a Ren and Six issue. Is that not the case? Like, what does Yorian have to do with frequent shuffling? Yorian increases the shuffling time. That's actually true, because not only it increases the number of one-offs in lands while increasing the number of fetch lands, while also giving a larger deck to shuffle to look for. Like, that's not completely untrue. It's still true that Ren and Six is a true culprit. The reason you fetch every single turn is not Yorian. It's Red and Six, but running Red and Six also solved that issue. So you're saying that it actually just takes more seconds to find your one of Triome or something? Yeah, and that adds up sort of quickly, right? Like 10, 15 extra, extra seconds on turn one, and then that repeating every single fetch, of course, adds up to four or five extra minutes in a Lenny of Vashik. And when you're playing a control deck in a 15 minute shared time, it adds up surprisingly fast. Fair enough, fair enough. That being said, I still want to see companion justice. I feel like justice has not been served in modern. We need to see a full ban on the companion mechanic. Yeah, I agree. 
And probably the most upsetting thing that has happened since the ban is, you know, we expect to see people on social media trying out their Yorian decks after the ban. Like, hey, the deck still works or the deck doesn't work. Like, oh yeah, I got such and such results with Omneth. And then you look at their deck list and they're all Kahira decks. Of course. <laughs> God damn it. I mean, <laughs> what the hell? I have said this in the past as a meme, but the biggest reason Snapcaster Mage is unplayable is because it's not a dinosaur. And that's how magic works nowadays. You have to adapt to the companion rulings, and That's such a tilt. Banning Yorion and not banning companion slash Trellan 6 is just insane. So we still have not seen any acknowledgments of the companion mechanic being a problem. And that extends to the Lurus ban as well. They just focus on the individual cards, but... All right. The quest for justice continues. Kahira, you're next. Clearly, Yorion was the problem, not the companion itself. Like, the 5-mana 4-5 flyer. <laughs> of course. All right, more. let me hit you up with some forward-looking questions. Life goes on, right? We have to continue. Theoretically. Right. <laughs> or we could just give up. <laughs> like Pat we Davis, just give up. <laughs> if my fever keeps rising, maybe just a, a hypothetical. We don't know. So in your opinion, Mord, where does the modern metagame go from here? What's the impact of this specific banning? So I think nowadays there's a best deck in modern, as crazy as it sounds. Actually, there's two best decks in modern, I think, like are actually considerably better than the rest, and it's creativity and, re- and murtide. I think without the Yorion, you stand no chance of outgrinding decks like creativity with four-color Asodius, so you're just left in a pl- position where... Playing Kahira Elementals, I feel most of the time, is playing a weaker version of like the four-color creativity shell. So based on matchups and win rates from the premier events in the last two, three weeks, we could say that Creativity is the number one deck, and some say that Yawgmoth is the other number one deck. I don't know if you agree with that. I disagree. I think Yawgmoth is good, but I think it's like... You know that scenario where you have, like, so deck A is the best deck in the meta alongside deck B, and deck C is a lot of meta share because it crushes A and B. Yogmoth is cool because it is able to fight efficiently against Murtide and Creativity. But, you know, modern, even if, like, 20% of people are playing Murtide and 20% are playing Creativity, you're still going to have a lot of people playing Solitudes. Or Tyran or decks like still crush Yogmoth. So, so far, we have not named any Yorian decks or any decks they would even consider going above 60 cards. So, the Forkler Omnath is having some results. Amazing players like Respect the Cat and Sneaky Misato are still trying to make the deck work. We have seen a few versions, all of them Kahira, of course. Like, there's no reason not to play a companion in that deck because I think the deck was Kahira legal even before the bannings. <laughs> so. Um, there was no reason not to just add the Gahira now. And the biggest difference between builds has been if they are still playing a wound and growth or not. Ah, uh, okay. We're going to run the experiment in real time. Because I think you said something outrageous a few weeks ago. You said that abundant growth was always good and we just didn't have the foresight to see it. And I said that's like a bunch of hogwash, right? Like It's, it's just a much weaker astrolabe and it's subsidized by the existence of Yorian. If you don't have a Yorian, an Abundant Growth is just a subpar magic card, in my opinion. 
I'm looking at the last three five holes with um, four color blink. Two of them play a wound growth in the main, one I place it and one as a three of. The other one doesn't, but I'm gonna add something of remarkably interest. If you go to canisters, creativity deck list, you're gonna see four abundant growth in the sideboard. Abundant growth in the sideboard of creativity? As I place it. Why? Blood Moon. Interesting. And I'm talking about canister, I'm not talking about random Joseph. <laughs> I wanna defend my take that abundant growth is actually a I'm not saying good card, but a necessary card for this sort of greedy banana bases. Also, the four-color Omnath that's not running Abundant Growth is playing Ring Tonight. Like, all Blink, Blink versions are playing Abundant Growth right now. Maybe it's a relic from the past that has yet to leave, or maybe they will keep it, we are not sure yet. Does the card have any synergies? Is it just you can bounce it with Teferi? Teferi mostly. Mana fixing and Teferi mostly. Okay, but there's no way to actually... There's no way to like blink the abundant growth anymore. No. And there's no enchantress angle or anything like that. No, it's just a one mana cantrip that does whatever it should do. I think if the deck keeps going so elemental heavy, it might get replaced for Oath of Nisa. Eventually, if it goes like super elemental heavy. Hmm. But I'm still counting that as a win. Because it wasn't that Abundant Growth was bad, it is that was replaced by a better version when the deck stopped playing so many instant sorceries. Okay. Well, the Blood Moon interaction is something, I guess. Do you feel like Blood Moon is going to become a more important part of the metagame? I think so, yeah. I think... So I was talking about this the other day. All decks are playing either Blood Moon or Brennan 6. So all decks right, right now are like divided into three slots almost. Combo, Blood Moon, or Brennan 6. Some play both. So that's what you will be facing most of the time. And if you look at the deck list, you're going to see exactly that. So what are we looking at for Blood Moon? We're looking at Murktide, Rhinos. Murktide, Rakdos Midrange, Rhinos. Okay, so Rakdos Midrange, that's the Grief Fury deck, basically. Yeah, that place that has slowly going up in the number of Blood Moon's main deck from 0 to 2 to 3 sometimes. And then in the side where it always plays the full playset. Of either like the remaining Blood Moons and Mouse of the Moon. What do you think about Spell Pierce in the current metagame? I also, Spell Pierce has been always a shockingly good card that doesn't see a lot of play in the main deck because it's one of those cards that when you try it in a good sport, you feel like a genius, but when it's not, you feel like an idiot. I actually once got a sneaky 5-0 when I was playing a Yori or AD card and I was like, you know what, Spreading 6 sucks in this meta and I added 4 Spreading 6 to the main deck. Sorry, and I added 4 Spellbirds to the main deck and just won with that. <laughs> so I think the card can be quite good, especially now that they're always expecting stuff like Brennan 6. It's seeing a lot of play in creativity decks. Like I think it's normal to play 3 mains, sometimes all 4 main deck. Uh, it's one of the best cards against creativity decks now that people are actually trying to consistently cast like fables and X equals one or two sorceries. But on the other hand, like the more people play spell pierce, the more people play around it. So the thing with spell piercing creativity is not, not only it's amazing in the early game, but it's also really not deck in the mid game because it, how good it is at pushing your opponent to do stuff while you try to combo. So the thing with creativity decks, it's one of those combo decks that actually has a good, a really good matchup against control decks, 
because of how efficient it is at putting threats on the board while making them have an answer for creativity, right? Mm -hmm. I think Asorius control... A lot of people were like, okay, now I can play Asorius control, there's no Yorion. And whenever I read that, I'm like, sure, go play Asorius control until your opponent goes turn 2 and 6 on the play. You have to 2 for 1 yourself with a prismatic ending on turn 2 and then resolve that the failure of Fable and you concede. You're free to do that. <laughs> the problem with Asorius control as such wasn't Yorion, it's of course Ryan and 6 because it's so much better than anything you're doing. And when creativity just goes turn 2, Brennan 6, turn 3, Fable, turn 4, Teferi, you eventually have to deal with that stuff. And when you do, you can hold up a counter spell. That's when you're just gonna get spell pierced. While you deal with that stuff, creativity is amazing at managing spell pierce as a way to out-tempo you in the combo turn, sort of like a twin scenario. Alright, so on the subject of modern after Yurian on a personal level, Mord, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? You have not played a 60-card deck since 2019 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Literally since Sicoria, I think I was one of the first people to, like, hype up Yorion. Like, I remember in the Nemesis Discord, companions got spoiled, Lurus was one of the first ones, and everybody was like, okay, this is for most decks. Then Shiganta got spoiled, and I was like, okay, we can play this, we just get rid of Supreme Verdict. And then Yorion got, sp got spoiled, and I was like, okay, we just play Yorion. Like, in day one. It didn't took me a second of an out. I knew companions were going to be good because I came from, like, a Hearthstone background where this was already common. Mm. Like, there was a companion mechanic of sorts already in that game. And it was as underestimated at first sight as it was here, and eventually it got banned, same as it was here. And the underestimation began even before it was released. It was clearly exactly. underestimated by the design and development team as well. So. Ironically, they printed Yorion in Hearthstone now, so maybe I should go to Hearthstone again. <laughs> like, Hearthstone decks are capped at 30 cards. Like, they have a cap. But they added a card that, allows you, that makes you add 10 more cards to your library if you have it in your deck, and you gain 10 more starting life. <laughs> so it got printed, like... Two months ago, maybe I should just go to Hearthstone, you know, follow the Orion dream. And it's about to get banned in Hearthstone as well. Wow. <laughs> because uh, the internal cards is free. Everybody knows that by now. How will I survive? Um, I'm going to ask that to my fever, if it will allow me to keep going. And if it will, I'm going to keep playing decks till I find something I love. I have been jumping around a bit, played some... A Helicopycat, played some Boros, played some Asorius. I even played five, some Four Color Kahira, but it's just not the same. Like, it feels like what you're doing just. It's powerful, but it's. You're playing a, almost a tribal deck with Kahira. Like, you don't have the long term grinding you used to have. You don't have access to really powerful tools like Traverse or Omnath. You're just playing a more streamlined two-for-one game, right? Yeah. Like, I really enjoy the draw-go aspect of control decks, and this doesn't even have that. Like, you have three counter spells and removal. It's basically blue-white controls, splashing Renin 6 and sometimes Omnath, right? That's... Yeah, so I, I had people the other day asking, like, is Omnath a problem? And I'm going to keep saying it. If Renin 6 dies, Omnath dies with it. Huh. Like, they're still gonna be decks with both because they have another incentive to play blue and to play those colors. But you look at the Yurion deck list, 
And the moment you take out Renan 6, the queen just goes out the window immediately. <laughs> and likely, like, really close to it goes the red. Hmm. I think Renan 6 is the one making those cards, those colors worth it. Alright, so you haven't found your North Star yet. You're gonna be wandering the wilderness for a time. I have been having a lot of fun with Sky Wizards and actually having some good results. I'm not yet at a point where I'm willing to take it to a challenge, but I keep winning with the deck, even if it seems... The problem is, every time I look at the decklist, I think, I think this sucks. But they have an Archaeomancer in a modern decklist, which just makes annoys me every time I see it. So we're talking about the Micromancer wizard control... What would you call this? Like, You had some strange name for it last time, but... Microstep? Microstep, right, because of step through, yeah. cycle step through for your colorless Eladamri's call. Get your Micromancer or get your Magus of the Moon or your Archaeomancer <laughs> to rebuy your Ephemerate. I think the split is like 40% Micro, 30% Maus, 30% Archaeomancer with some Orvar sprinkled in against creativity. It's very cute that you can cycle the step through get the Orvar the all form into your hand at instant speed so that you can do that trick where you discard it to their Archon trigger, copy their Archon, etc. But you sent like this screenshot today of, like you had Orvar just hard cast for some reason. I keep casting Orvar because it's game one against like a sword against control decks and I'm like solve this? And Orvar has another line of text that says whenever you target one of your permanents you can copy the permanent. <laughs> So you had somehow got your Archaeomancer in play. This is like an Eternal Witness, but it's four mana and it's a one-two and it only gets back instance of sorceries. And it requires double blue. Draft Chef. It's not Draft Chef. It's actually, sorry, it's actually sorry. pretty good in draft. S sorry, Pauper Staple. That's better. Thank you. Pauper Staple, my mistake. <laughs> Pauper Staple Archaeomancer. You were just going nuts with Orvar, Archaeomancer, and Ephemerate. No, I think people are disregarding in that picture a detail that I didn't give enough emphasis. I wasn't going nuts with Ephemerate. I went nuts with Gatshot. <laughs> because I had a Gatshot in my graveyard, so I went Archaeomancer, Gatshot, Archaeomancer, Gatshot, Archaeomancer, Gatshot, Archaeomancer, Gatshot, that gave me four champ blockers, and then I Ephemerated. Wow. Okay. Bad ideas abound, everybody. Will this deck take more to his next challenge top eight? I'm not sure. I hope so. I would love to see that. <laughs> also, Orvar is really hard to remove. Like, if you see that picture, the Orvar is a token. Because they actually decided to kill my, my Orvar and in response I marched it for... I, I think I, I... I think I used the Gatshot for the first time there. I Gatshot my Orvar, which gave me a new Orvar. That's a nice trick. Like, Orvar is really hard to kill because any sort of like way you can target it, you just make a new copy of it. All right, well, I hope to see more from the Wizards deck soon. Any last thoughts on this Yorian ban before we... I think the Yorian ban... So I have said this in the past, and I will say it while eating my words in pain. The Yorian ban was an eventual necessity. It had to happen the same way all companies should be banned, except they are willing to print more. Like, there's only two ways to solve the current issues, which is give everyone a companion or ban all companions. That's quite clear. Like, that's how it should be. However, I didn't think it was the biggest issue with modern nowadays. And I think the ban should have been... Like, they made it... They excused themselves not banning the most powerful card by saying it was, like, due to... <sighs> Increase in paper play with yeah, RCQs exactly. and such. Exactly. 
Like, I think we can all 100% agree that there are a lot of cards that make a lot more painful and annoying in the modern format than Yorion, starting, and not sure if ending with Brennan 6, but Brennan 6 and Violet Adwords are, of course, ahead of Yorion. So, that's what annoyed me. Yeah. It's kind of like a, that's a head-scratcher, like, why now, right? Like Exactly. And why now, and why not take the others with it? Like, you're banning already, you're gonna cause some disarray, why not? I think everybody and their mothers knows Brennan 6 is going to bite the bullet eventually. Maybe it's too soon after Double Masters. I think that's the only reason I got found. So, I find the ban acceptable. The Yorian ban is acceptable to me, but the reasoning... They didn't name the actual reason, and that is upsetting to me. Like, I'm not just saying the dexterity thing is not an issue, but... The companion thing is the biggest issue, and I'm I'm just baffled that they refuse to say that. But alas, it is what it is. It is what it is. We must go on. Sadly, the brewing and life must go on without our noodly boy, and that means we have to keep going, try to make the modern format better. My feverish dream, at least, made me try cleansing wildfire that has been working like a charm for some reason. Like cleansing wildfire flexons of Strokear plan. Oh, so you can get to your Micromancer a turn early. Yeah, I'm playing four cleansing wildfire main deck, and for some reason it's working. <laughs> I don't understand why they did it. It has no synergy with anything else in the deck. No, 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 it doesn't work. But I got tired of losing to Balakut, and I was tired of casting turn for Micromancer, and it was like. And so Feverish Mord woke up. 4 a.m., sweating, completely covered in sweat, and was like cleansing wildfire. <laughs> it really happened exactly like that. It was super weird. Wow. Actually, the post is 4.52 a.m., because I literally woke up, wrenching in sweat, sweat, cleansing wildfire, sat on my computer, built the deck list, sent the photo to the Discord, went back to sleep. Super weird shenanigans. I don't understand what happened there. My brain was not working correctly. The priorities were not in place. But there was something to it. Speaking of the Discord, one of the interesting discussions that has been happening there and elsewhere, I mean, this is a perennial topic in, ma in Magic. Oh. The modern ban list writ large, right? Every time there's a BNR, it's kind of nice to just take stock of, like, where the heck are we? And at this point, in the year of our Lord, 2022, the modern ban list looks pretty weird, right? Like, it's gotten quite large, it's gotten quite bloated, and it's got a lot of cards that, well, A, we just forgot they existed, and B, if you think about, like, why is this on the ban list? Is this card even playable? It's not clear that any of them are even playable, and yet they're banned. So the question was, well, what about unbannings, right? Like, we couldn't agree on banning Renin 6 or anything else right now, but surely... What about unbanning? Right, that would be a nice way to spice up the format. Pretty low cost, right? Get people a little more confidence in modern. Try some new decks out. So before we go straight into the specific cards, I think there's something we need to discuss among ourselves, which is, what is the ban list there for? Which is, I think, actually key in discussing some specific cards. Is the ban list there because those cards are too strong? Or is the ban list there because the presence of those cards would make the format worse? Random example in the list of cards that I think accomplish one category but not the other is Punishing Fire. 
Punishing Fire, I don't think, has a power level strong enough. I'm talking about it specifically to like these separated two categories. It's not powerful enough to be banned, but have you ever seen a Punishing Fire Mirror? Uh, not in a long time, but I mean, the car has been exactly. banned for a decade, so... And we should keep it that way. <laughs> because the Punishing Fire Mirror, or when you're playing a creature deck against Punishing Fire, it gives a so boring inevitability that you have nothing to do against it. So at this point, the modern ban list is more than 11 years old. Yeah. In that time, I mean, cards were banned for all kinds of different reasons. So the original rationale for the ban list did have a mission statement. It said something about, like, you know, turn four format or not wanting to replicate the mistakes of Legacy or even, I think, Extended was a format back when they crafted the initial ban list. And they, they kind of launched Modern in, in a way similar to the way they rolled out Pioneer, where they said, okay, here's our best guess for some of the cards we'll ban. And then we'll also do a big ban right after the first Pro Tour. So one month after the initial ban list, they did another big batch banning based on Pro Tour Philadelphia. So a lot of cards were banned like within a month of the format's launch. And then the next 10 years was, you know, a card here, a card there, kind of the regular ban cadence. But yeah, there isn't a consistent rationale. And I don't think they've ever said since that initial turn four format statement, like what, what is the purpose of the ban list? Yeah. I, I, I haven't seen like whenever they ban, they tend to go always into power level, ex- with some notable exceptions. So maybe it is a, only a power level gate. But I'm afraid of exactly that. Some cards that have the power level for the format but are so boring that Maybe it's better to keep them banned just for enjoyingness, enjoyableness in the format. Yeah, I agree. And I've, I've got my little list here, and I do have a category like that that says, you know, these cards are probably fine, but there's no upside. They just make, make the format worse. So I, I think that should be a category on the ban list. Okay. That being said, um, it's worth keeping in mind that unbannings have happened in Modern. Right, it's not all theoretical. This has happened almost ten times now. Valakut was banned for a while and then unbanned. Yeah, uh, Wild the Cattle <laughs> banned and then unbanned. Oh, Wild the Cattle. Wild So I think some bans, even of the insane ones, make some sense. Like Ancestral Vision, Sword of the Meek. I can see how those cards seem bastard, but Peter Blossom and Wild the Cattle just blow my mind. Ancestral Vision, uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Bloodbraid Elf, and Stoneforge Mystic. I think these were all successful on bands. I mean, none of those cards, yeah. with I guess the exception of Alakut, are a significant player in the current modern metagame. Stoneforge Mystic is... Um... Yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Stoneforge is like, okay, Stoneforge had his time, Sword of the Meek has been on and off an important card, but... Stoneforge is great, but not for a reason they expected it to be great. They expected Goblade and they got hammer time. They were looking for they were stopping people from getting Badger School and people just went and get Colossus Hammer. <laughs> right. Uh, and then we have Golgari Grave Troll, which I have a note that this is an unsuccessful unban. But the successful part about it was that they at least ran the experiment. They took it off the ban list for a while. It was too powerful, and they just rebanned it. And I think people were mostly happy with that. So all of this is to say, like, I think there's precedent, there's interest. People like this. People like, you know, lobbying for their favorite cars to be unbanned. And I think it's something that wizards should strongly consider. 
So, a few months, if not years now, I have no notion of time. I remember a chat like this popping up on Twitter, and there was actually a response by someone in Wizards asking if people would actually like, like, a QNMTCO where they tested this sort of stuff, right? Like a league where they randomly banned or, or unbanned cards for testing. And everybody was like, yes, please. Just so I can see people shut up or just so I can prove my point. Like a week of a leaks where Splinter Twin is legal. I mean, now that MTGO is in an external company, maybe you can lobby Daybreak for that. <laughs> maybe they'll listen. Daybreak has been pretty open to stuff, so that wouldn't be insane. Yeah, I think there's definitely interest. I think it'd be cool to, to at least see what would happen. I don't know how many people would actually participate, but... Yeah. All right. Let's look at some specifics, Mord. I have a list here. I'm going to run it by sure. you, and you can tell me where I'm, <laughs> where I'm feverish, where I'm not thinking. So the first category is the cards that are gone forever. These cards will never be unbanned. They should never be in consideration for unbanning. Some of the most powerful cards of all time. Ponder, Mental Mistup, Lurus of the Dream Den, Hogek. Good bunnings. Good old Hogek. Oko, uh. Chrome Mox, Arkham's Astrolabe, Cloud Post, little asterisk next to Cloud Post. I think some people disagree on that. Dark Depths, Death Rite Shaman, Field of the Dead, Treasure Cruise, Dig Through Time, Gitaxian Probe, Summer Bloom, Once Upon a Time, Golgari Grave Troll, Mox Opal, and Skull Clamp. So, making a case for most of these, a lot of them just are obvious on why they can't get banned. People have seen them play or have got, went through them and can clearly understand why they are correctly banned. But I have seen a lot of people asking for, like, unbanned for Deathrite Shaman as if that would stop the, like, the midrange decks from popping up, ignoring the fact that the, everybody would just play Deathrite Shaman. And another card I think we will disagree about because I'm seeing it in that you actually... like I would put it in Gone Forever is Birthing Pod. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because I think it leads to some... Like, if Jorgen leads to repetitive patterns, Birthing Pod nowadays has to be, like, the most repetitive card in Magic. Well, I was not playing at the height of the pod era. I know that once you begin to combo with Birthing Pod... Um, well, A, it's a lot of shuffling. You just do the same sequence every time, and the game either ends or, or it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> so that is not that interesting, but it's at least a different deck, right? It's a deck that doesn't currently exist, and it uses cards that don't really see any play. So in that sense, it's like re-adding a new deck to the metagame that may or may yeah, not be that powerful. So when Verthing Pod, if Verthing Pod is used as a toolbox right the mechanic, I love the card. The problem is with recent printings, you can transform a Verse of Paradise into a Wincon. You're saying starting the pod chain with any one drop leads to a kill? Yeah. Okay. On turn three, if you play turn two pod. Which is to like almost splinter twin levels of annoyance. Like if your opponent has four mana, you can never tap down because pod plus one drop wins the game. But you can interact with that with yeah. almost anything. Yeah, but I mean, under that reason, creativity is a balanced deck. <laughs> Which can be interacted even easily, because you can just kill it. Hmm. 
on the subject of death right shaman, it's worth saying that part of the logic there is that because of Ragavan, the bar has been raised on what a one-drop is allowed to do. And I think that's behind a lot of these unbanning discussions, is like, power creep is, is extremely real. Like, half the cards on my Gone Forever list were printed in the last three years. So the format is, is almost unrecognizable if you were like a 2012-era modern player. Cards are so powerful now. So like, what if Deathrite Shaman is just like on par with Ragavan? But I agree with you, Mort, it's, it should not come off the list. Too strong. Having too many stupid one-drops that you must kill on site gives everyone a must-kill on site on turn one, right? Because any deck, every deck is going to have either four Ragavan or four Deathrite Shaman. You're always going to have to keep a push in your hand or concede. Yeah, I mean, just look at what Deathrite did in Legacy. Right? It, it's like a mono-black mana dork. Like, that's... You don't want this in the format. <laughs> this is not good. So all those cards, in my opinion are gone forever and, you know, the case is closed on them. There's a second category that is also gone forever, but not because of power level. These are cards that are banned for reasons other than power level. And Yorian belongs to this category because of the, uh, the cited dexterity issue. In this category, we have Second Sunrise, as Emmy said. Sensei's Divining Top, the card that leads to just infinite rounds. Tibble's Trickery, I mean, when this was banned, they said straight up, the deck is not very good, but people just hate it. It makes everyone's experience worse. And Kirkland Ironworks, I mean, the power level of KCI is somewhat debatable. Some people say that it's, you know, it, it would be a strong but not too strong deck without like Mox Opal, for example. But the reason this is in this category is because KCI uses rules loopholes that feel like, you know, that make people rage quit. That just lead to a bad experience with magic. The most insane loophole, which I still laugh about with some buddies when we play Commander or anything, is like, okay, so I'm going to cast this 3-drop, but in order to cast this 3-drop, I'm going to float 6 mana in response. But don't worry, I'm still paying cost. I just have 8 mana because I'm paying 3, but I, I, don't worry, this 8 mana is in this cost. It'll make sense. <laughs> just that line of play is so unreasonable. <laughs> That I hate it. Yeah, so for that reason, I think we'll never see KCI again, even if it would be okay for power level reasons. Yeah, especially without Mox Opal. However, there's the lands to consider, but still, I think from power level reasons, it's not insane, but it's so annoying. Moving on to more interesting categories, all right, we're, we're going towards cards that are more and more reasonable to unban. The next category is cards that, in my opinion, are completely safe to unban, but there's no upside to it. They would create, they would either be unplayable or they would go into a deck that just makes the format worse and it's not any fun to play against. Hypergenesis is probably the big, biggest example of this. All you can do with Hypergenesis is try to cascade into some kind of I win the game scenario. And people have tried this in like no ban list hypothetical formats. It's not a good deck, but it's just no fun. Yeah, it's like the most annoying version of Glimpse. If it resolves, it might win. Like, it's more deterministic, but it's so, like, straight up open and shut. Exactly. I put Blazing Shoal in the same category. Blazing Shoal was banned after the first Modern Pro Tour because of a deck that I think Sam Black worked on a lot. The Infect one? Exactly. Blazing Shoal is a pitch spell. You can pitch anything CMC 9 or 10 to give your Ink Moth Nexus 
plus nine power for free and just kill them in one shot. Now, is that too powerful? I mean, it was too powerful in 2011, the first modern tournament, but it's also just like not that fun, right? I mean, even if you can stop this, right? it's not that different from a Colossus Hammer on an Ink Moth Nexus, but it's just not fun. I think it's weaker than Hammer. I think you could, ch- you could just unban the Red Shoal and it would never see play. Like, I think it's one of the most safe unbans. Yeah, it's safe. I agree it's safe, but I just think there's no upside to putting this back in the format. Oh, I agree. Like, no one is going to play it. And in case someone plays it, it's because it's completely broken. So you gain nothing by unbanning it. Mycocentralatus, I also put in this category. Like, it's not that strong, but it's just super annoying. Like, it's just so annoying. So many games who are super super far ahead against the decks, like Eternal, a lot of Asaden. They just have like five trollans in play, no cards in hand. You have all the removal in the world you need, but you can never tap down because they just win. They just throw the card and literally win the game. And the last card in this category, for which I'm sure I'll get some flack, is Splinter Twin. There is no upside to unbanning Splinter Twin. I know that people like to call for the unbanning of Twin. They like to talk about how it was their favorite deck or something. Who enjoys just having the game end in one shot? Nobody likes this. Nobody actually enjoys this style of play. I actually disagree with you here, and I think Splinter Twin is closer to... I don't think it's safe. I think Splinter Twin is what happens if creativity was lethal instead of an Archon. (laughs) Like, people think of Splinter Twin like, oh, my opponent's gonna play this easy tempo deck list, and... No, no, you're going to play against Splinter Twin, your opponent's going to go turn 1, Raga 1, turn 2, Brennan 6, turn 3, Defendi, turn 4, Fable. And the moment you tap down, they're going to play Splinter Twin. I mean, the argument is that, okay, it's an A plus B combo. You have to put Pester Mites or Deceiver Exarchs in the deck or um, Bounding Crassus, I guess. And these are not that strong. I mean, Creativity has to play Archons and Transmogrifies and Creativities and Dwarven Mines. Which are all worse than Pestermite as a card. <laughs> I see what you're saying. It's possible that Splinter Twin is not safe, but I also think that even if it were safe, there would not be upside to this. I, com- I completely agree. Okay. So there will be no unbanned twins on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not on the unbanned twin side. All right. Uh, three more categories to go. This next category is cards that are risky, and they're probably not okay. Like, they're probably too strong. In this category, I have Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath, Dread Return, Mystic Sanctuary, Simeon Spirit Guide, Rite of Flame, Eye of Ugin, and Glimpse of Nature. Now, the comment I want to make here is that Eye of Ugin was part of one of the most broken periods in modern history, Eldrazi Winter, as we call it. But there have not been any new Eldrazi printed in a long time, and I, I kind of suspect that the Eldrazi aren't that good anymore. So that's why I put it in this category instead of the Gone Forever category. But it's very, very risky. Very risky. So, uh, I of Win is a card so broken that I think I have said that in the past. I was completely sure it sacrificed itself to look. Like, I was... Totally and completely convinced you had to sacrifice it in order to tutor. And the first time someone played it against me in Vintage Hero, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) 
You thought I had the Sanctum of Ugin clause? I thought you just paid seven, look for a card, and it's sacrificed. It never occurred to me you could just literally every turn get a, te- a ten drop. But that's not the good part of the card. I mean, I think it's the it's it's both. Like how can it's like having imagine playing a turn one mox that allows you to sacrifice it to draw two cards for three mana in the late game. <laughs> like how can you both be an accelerator and a payoff? Vincent said it got banned for less. Because it can't be both. It can technically be one of either, but not both at the same time. So for a time, I think back when Star City was still having like SCG opens, they, they occasionally ran no banless modern. Eldrazi was one of the best performing decks at those tournaments. Yeah. But things have changed. I mean, there's better answers now. I agree, but I still think unbanning it makes Nothing better, and we're just gonna cry in despair. Dread Return is likely a fair ban. It makes legs like oops a bit better. Dread Return? Yeah. It's like on the line. Mystic Sentry, I think it's closer to ban for results other than power level and ban by power level. It leads to the most boring play patterns you will ever see, mm. while also being extremely powerful. Okay. Imagine it got banned in Popper because it was incentivizing Gash plus Foil. Like, that has to be one of the most boring things you will ever play against. So, Mystic Sanctuary was banned at the same time as Uro and Field of the Dead, and the cards were often played in the same decklist. So there, there was a contingent that felt like Mystic Sanctuary was unfairly not given a chance to, you know, show how fair it can be without Uro ramping you. Or without Field of the Dead, just allowing you to stall and win with land triggers. But, I don't know. I mean, it's it's like more than a land should do. I mean, yeah. fetch lands are the problem, of course, but we can't ban fetch lands. I mean, Field of the Dead died with Mystic Sanctuary and Uro. Maybe I'm banning one of the three is fine. Not all three, of course. But maybe one of the three... Like, most likely, Uro is the weakest one now that we have Solitude and Ending and Heat and March. I still think it's too powerful. But I think of all of them, it's the most likely one to ever see an unbanned. We'd love to see Uro unbanned in Pioneer. I think David and I are in agreement on that. I mean, there's currently zero yeah. Pioneer decks that even would consider Uro. And it would, it would add an interesting new pillar to the format. But in Modern, I mean, Uro had its chance. It's, it's just a good stuff card. And we have enough of that. Glimpse of Nature, I don't really know about that. There was actually a long discussion about Glimpse of Nature in our Discord that kind of made me think about this question. Like, the pieces are all there for the most part for like a Heritage Druid Nettle Sentinel combo, but like Elves is not a scary deck right now. Do we want Elves to be a better deck? I personally don't, but. I think we all want to Elves be better. I don't. (laughs) But I don't know. But it's a picture of how much better. Right. I have a different unban for players who want to play green decks. <laughs> What's your unban for that? Oh, green sounds, you know, that's in my, that's in my last category. We're, we're almost there. Okay, we're almost there. Yeah, the problem with Glimpse of Nature is it's a card that's not fun. Yeah. Like, it sort of enters into what I was talking about, Punishing Fire. Even if you could unban it, why would you unban it? To make the three else players in the world happy and make everybody else play else because it's good if it's too good and make everybody play 40 minutes one turn turn games. 
Like, there's so little upside in unbanning it. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like the green underworld breach. All right, the next category. These cards are risky, but they're probably okay. Like, these would be very powerful if they were unbanned. They would introduce new decks. They would perhaps shake up the metagame. I have four cards in this category. The first one, Seething Song. Seething Song survived a couple bannings, right? First, they took out Rite of Flame. John Finkel just kept winning with Storm decks, so they had to keep banning more cards. So Seething Song was next, and then it was not clear if Metamorphose would have to go or not. Boy, when was the last time you heard anyone say the word Metamorphose? What happened to that card? It got soft banned with Lava Dart when Solitude got printed. <laughs> An ending. Times have changed, right? And, and Storm is not scaring anyone these days. So Seething Song, you know, you could probably just put that back in the format. It would juice Storm. Maybe there's even something else you can do with Seething Song. I'm not sure. I put Birthing Pod in this risky but probably fine category, although I could be wrong about that. You made a good case, Mord. Are you always afraid of Shastan banning combo cards? Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. If it's just going to lead to the Birthing Pod deck and there's only one way to build it, that just keeps getting better over time. I think Enigmatic Incarnation being decent is more than enough proof that Birthing Pod is completely broken. Like, the, the things you could do with Birthing Pod are just not something you want to do in the format. And that's even not even counting versions where you just go like full on combo with also adding B the six mana Vivian combo because you're already playing all the bad cards in it. But I don't think with the power level nowadays we are ever gonna see a fun pot deck. No one is gonna get Rhino, sadly. <laughs> and no one is gonna get like a hate bear when you can just win the game. Other cards in the risky but probably find unban category. Umazawa's Jite. Jite? Jit? Jit? Jitty? Do we know how to pronounce this? I say Shite, but I don't know. Okay. So I think Umazawa falls in one of those similar spots where I think its power level is fine, but it's, it's just so bad. To play patterns that are so, so bad for any creature deck that they're not really suffering. Like, unbanning Shite and Punishing Fire only makes decks that are in a really bad spot worse while not really making any other decks shift. And the last card in this category, very close to my heart, Faithless Looting. Faithless Looting would be a risky unban, but I think it would be fine. Modern existed for many years with Faithless Looting as one of the best or possibly the best card, but it was a manageable format. If you look at the existing decks in Modern right now, none of them would play Faithless Looting, right? So we'd be looking at, okay, maybe a different style of graveyard deck comes back into the format. But like that that's fine, right? That's good. Right? We we could use a shakeup like that. And just like Golgari Grave Troll, if it leads to a problem, you can just ban it again. Yeah, I think looting might be a safe and ban. I'm a bit scared of some decks using it. Like I'm afraid of something like scam decks getting too consistent with it or something like that, adding persist to the deck. Also, the addition of Persist to the format is a bit scary, like turn one looting, turn two Persist with a lot of consistency. So what deck are you envisioning for that? Like a hybrid no. creativity reanimator deck or like a just dedicated no. reanimator? I mean, 
Yeah, Creativity Reanimator, I mean, Grixie Creativity Reanimator is already something that exists, it's just worse than the Four Color one. But imagine that deck has Prismatic Command and a lot of the time uses it as a looter with upside. So what we found when Faithless Looting was legal was that there were not that many fair decks that would just like play a couple Faithless no, Lootings, no. right? You know, you could put like one copy into an it deck, but it's not that important. I think for the same reason, like the Rakdos Undying Persist deck, I don't think they would play Faithless Looting personally. Could be wrong about that, but it would not be a four of. You need to have something that like, you know, Young Pyromancer was played with Faithless Looting. <laughs> Hollow one. I mean, what happened to these decks, right? These decks are totally fine. Yes, Dredge would be a little stronger, but you can fight against Dredge. I mean, there's Endurance now. There's there's so much counterplay for the graveyard. I mean, there's a lot of graveyard counterplay, and there's not a dedicated graveyard deck. That's what makes me want to unman looting. At the same time, I'm afraid of graveyard decks. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. All right, so those are my risky but probably fine category. Finally, we get to the last category, the cards that should not be banned at all, that would be completely safe. You could unban them today with minimal impact on the modern metagame. Not saying that these would not be playable or played, but that they, they wouldn't break the meta. They wouldn't necessarily go into any existing decks. They might introduce new versions of like old archetypes, and I think that's a net, a net good for the format. So in this category, I have five cards. First up, uh, the Artifact Lands from Mirrodin. So we're talking about Ancient Den, Vault of Whispers, Seed of the Synod, etc. These cards have been banned since the beginning. They've never had a chance. For a long time, that was, you know, because of Affinity is so strong, Mox Opal, Arcbound Ravager, but when was the last time anyone's seen like a, a plausible Affinity deck? It's been a while. It's like a tier two and a half, tier two deck at best, and they had to juice it with Thought Monitor. I untapped Artifact Lands, I think, might be a touch too strong still. Just the fact that they give you Metal Craft so fast for Hammer, with Ursa Saga, they're going to bound to give you insanely huge constructs. But they introduce a lot of vulnerability. Yeah, yeah, it makes you a lot more vulnerable to stuff like Stony Silence or Collector Roof. While at the same time, the white ones are going to give you access to so much removal in the form of ending and march that I'm not even sure if that's enough. It's true that it gives it weakens you a lot, but there's also so many more efficient answers to those, to those permanents now. So if you wanted to do like a, a cowardly unban, you could just unban the green, black, and red artifact lands. Oh, yeah. Leave the white one because of, you know, there's plenty of white artifacts now. And leave the blue one. Leave those banned. I think the most coward mode would just be red and green. Not even give access to Albanic Last. You want Artifact Lands? Play completely of color. Sorry, black and green. Unbanned. Right, but you can already do that, right? Like, nobody plays Darksteel Citadel. Nobody plays Treasure Vault. So. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Maybe you can give access to some of them and just allow them to play, like, a 20 Artifact Land deck. Hmm. All right, so that's a safe unban, in my opinion. Also in this category, Green Sun's Zenith. Are we actually afraid of Green Sun's Zenith? When you think about it, right, you have to get green creatures, and people will rattle off all the green creatures it can get. 
you'll realize that almost none of them see any play whatsoever. Yes, Green Sun Zenith makes like the turn one mana dork obsolete because you can just get the Dryad Arbor, but turn one mana dork is obsolete for many other reasons. <laughs> I think the only problem with Green Sun Zenith is Amulet, and that's it. Like, I think it might push Amulet at that two over the top. I'm not even sure it would be played in Amulets. If all it gets is Dryad Arbor and Primeval Titan, it's not that useful. Or Dryad, or Azusa. But you have to play this, like, instead of Summoner's Pact? Like, you think it's stronger than Summoner's Pact? I think it's not worse than... I think it's, like, similar, like, extremely similar. Hmm. And it also provides the... Like, when you have two amulets, it's a ramp effect by getting a Grazer, for example. Like, there's a lot of stuff to consider. Not only it's a turn one dork, but it's also an accelerator if you have two amulets with a Grazer. But it's also a seven mana Titan. It's also an eight mana Colossus. Okay, so you think that amulets... I mean, that is basically a mono green deck. So because of that deck is... Yeah. You think Zenith is not safe. I think if you just do something to that deck... Like, I don't think pushes is too over the top, right? I think it's like... It gives it a pretty big ups power up. The deck is not tier zero now, so I don't think it's like something that shakes up the format. But you have to turn it up slightly. Mm. Okay. Then I agree with you on Bridge from Below. Bridge from Below was banned for Hogak scene and should have been unbanned years ago. Like immediately when Hogak got banned in the same bannings, they could come and ban Bridge from Below. Yeah, I think they were just like. <laughs> I mean, A, they were a little embarrassed, right? They didn't want to ban Hogak right away because it had just been printed. Yeah. But they didn't want to admit that, so they had to, like, maintain the company line that, okay, we weakened the deck by banning Bridge from Below. That's actually not true. We actually made the deck stronger, banning Bridge from Below. Because people realized they shouldn't be doing value, they can just combo. Uh, so then they had, to, they had to come back and ban Hogak, but they did say, well, Bridge from Below is, like, you know, it's a weird card. It's kind of poorly designed like why does it have black 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 mana costs it doesn't do anything when you cast it yeah it's a really weird card but that in itself is not a jailable offense right being poorly designed is not a reason to be banned oh i agree i think it should be extremely unbanned like immediately years ago and who knows maybe there's actually a deck you could play with it i, I don't know maybe altar of dementia plus bridge is a somewhat okay strategy Probably not, but <laughs> it's possible. Punishing Fire, I think, would be safe to unban. Now, I did not really consider what you were saying, Mord. You, you think this would just be a miserable experience. My issue is exactly that one. I don't think the card is busted. I think three mana for a shock is not great. At most, it would see play as a one of or two of in these Brennan 6 midrange decks. The problem is... The mirror gets sold by this. Like, a Sorius Control cannot beat Punishing Fire. Four Color cannot beat Punishing Fire, like, in the long game. Six mana kill your Omnath sounds like it sucks, but six mana kill your Omnath and lose zero cards in the process doesn't suck. Well, you have to play Grove of the Burn Willows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to make sure we're saying this out loud, a Grove of the Burn Willows is not a card that a lot of people want to put in their decks. No, I get that. It's just not a, a terrible card. Like, we're not talking about playing six unplayable cards. We're talking about playing a dual land that is not fetchable. 
likely one of the best non-fetchable dual lands. There's so many utility lands these days that like anything that's not part of the fetch shock triome mana yeah, base, yeah. like it has to have there's strong competition there. And it, the more cards like that you put in their deck, it means you can't play like your leyline binding mana base. You can't play your dwarven mind mana base or whatever it is. But let's say you are just two blocks of the world willow to your deck, and you are playing against goblins. You get to turn five. You have a growing play, and you top deck one of your two or three punishing fires. Can goblins win that game? Okay, that's that's, that's an unreasonable bar. We can't fix goblins like that. I mean, but <laughs> it's not our fault that goblins is not a good deck. Did, didn't goblins get top eight in the showcase qualifier yesterday? I mean, it wins sometimes, but like that should not be the bar for banning or unbanning cards. I mean, yeah, but you're just those decks are already dead, and pushing fire is just like kicking them even lower <laughs> into the crowd. It's already dead. Elves, humans, goblins, aggro, Zeus, livers, Naya, bushwhack, whatever. If you make it to turn four and you have a punishing fire, it's an instant win. Okay, what if what if we give them skull clamp back? I know I said that was gone forever, but <laughs> give the creature decks skull clamp, throw them a bone. If they advance skull clamp before Yorion, not only I'm rioting, but I'm buying a one-way ticket to USA and blowing myself up at Wizards headquarters. <laughs> like, if anybody cares about Wizards, you should make sure I'm not allowing to the USA the moment you see a Skullclamp unbanned and your own remains banned. <laughs> wow. Alright, we better leave Skullclamp banned then, and I guess in that case, Punishing Fire should, should also stay no, on the no. balance. I think Punishing Fire is a card that has the power level to be modern, but creature strategies are in such a bad, a low point that hitting them lower into the ground, like, please stop, it's already there, makes complete sense. I just don't think the card would see very much play. I agree. But even if it's displaying two decks, what do we gain from that? Mm, okay, yeah. It depends on how interesting the Punishing Fire deck is, and if it's just, like, part of a good stuff control deck, then no, that's not interesting. Everything is part of a good control deck. That's the modern we live in. That's the power level we live in right now. For me, it's like Grove of the Burnwell Owls. I just don't see that fitting into existing modern decks. And that's why I think Punishing Fire is okay. But I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe it's easy to adjust the mana base. I mean, let's say they play like this in a Gruul deck, Matron's deck. If that deck is good, you're never going to see a creature deck alive again. And if that deck sucks, why did we unban this? So that we could play red green Eldrazi with Grover the Burn Willows. But that's what I mean. If that's good, you're never going to see a, a, any creature deck even like pop up its head a tiny bit. Mm. And if it sucks, it's, it sucks already. It just keeps sucking. All right. Last card that I think you can unban today is Preordain. Ponder and Preordain have been banned since the beginning of the modern formats. People tend to think of them as a pair, like they're the same card. But they're not the same card. They're they're not at all the same card. I don't agree. Ponder is so much Ponder is so much more powerful with Fetchlands. Yeah, I mean it's it's not even the Fetchlands, it just it sees three cards right away. It has a shuffle built in, which is terrible for you know the <laughs> finishing rounds on time. <laughs> yeah, Ponder is is way more powerful than Preordain. Preordain is actually not even restricted in vintage. It's not played that much. 
I think Ponder is an amazing card, and I think Preordain could be unbanned the same day they, un they ban Expressive Iteration. But they're totally different. I know, I completely, they're completely different, but they give a power level search to the same deck. I think Murktide would immediately cut Consider for Preordain. I don't agree. I think Consider is stronger than Preordain. No, no. I we can agree to disagree on that one, but the consistency being able to reduce your land drop count by one and keeping one landers with this almost certainty with a preordain you're gonna hit your land drop is huge. Preordain into preordain digs so much deeper than considering to consider. We're talking six versus four. Digs deeper, but it doesn't fill the graveyard faster. And it's not yeah. instant speed. But you have seen how that deck plays, like a lot of the time. Even if it has like a fast Murtide, it's not gonna go for it till they have the counter spell protection. I, I haven't never seen a Murtide struggling filling up their graveyard by playing the normal game. But I mean Murktide does not play Serum Visions, and that is functionally the same for the purpose of digging. I think Perrain is so much better. And I think a huge difference is that, for example, as we just said, two Serum Visions, you only look at four cards to find your land drop, two Preordains you look at six. Like, in that turn. The way that I think of it is, like, Preordain is a much more powerful version of Serum Visions. Serum Visions sees zero play? Like, is there any deck playing Serum Visions right now? No, no. The only deck that played Serum Visions was Ad Nauseam and some versions of Crystalland. So Ad Nauseam could use the help, right? Ad Nauseam could use a Preordain-like effect, for example. A deck like... I mean, what else are we talking about? Murktide tried Serum Visions and rejected it. There was a time when people played like two copies of Serum Visions in like the early versions of Is It Tempo? And people just stopped it. You didn't miss it. It's like once you realize you don't need to play this sorcery speed cantrip, you just stop doing it and the deck is totally fine without it. Hmm. I just think it's a power level increase to a deck that doesn't need it right now. Like I, I'm not saying it's comparable to Express Iteration. They do completely different things. It just, I think it replaces Consider. Well, we can unban it and <laughs> run the experiment. We'll see. Or at least, or hope we don't, until at least we have some bannings in the format. I think it's totally safe. Maybe, yeah. Like, I don't think it's insane. Like, it's probably one of the closest ones. As long as we don't unban Ponder, everything is good. All right, so that is my analysis of the current state of the modern ban list and what could be unbanned. It sounded like for the most part we agreed, but there were a few that you think deserve to remain in jail. <laughs> I think practically all of them deserve to remain in jail. I'm a lot less, I'm a lot less trigger happy with the bans. I think a lot of them could be unbanned, but I see, I see no upside in doing it. Shite, Glimpse of Nature, Punishing Fire are the top three that, if they get unbanned tomorrow, I wouldn't blink an eye. Preordain and some of the artifact lands are likely the next ones. Faithless Looting. Green Sun Zenith. Faithless Looting, I can't see unbanned, but all, of all the unbannable ones, is the first one I would be like, let's recheck. With, I'm fine with the unbanning it as long as they promise they will take a look in a month. Yeah. Sort of like Golgari Grave Troll level of We unbanned this and we're gonna take a close look at what happens. 
Yeah. So I guess the other big question is like, why would wizards ever do any of this? Right? Do they have any incentive at all to unban a card? Maybe they're just happy with how modern is, and you know, by keeping the focus on new printings, new sets, new releases, they keep our attention on things we can buy. So in that respect, like, yeah, unbanning is never going to happen unless Wizards has some financial incentive to do so. What I would like to see, and if anyone is listening from Wizards, here, here is my proposal. Just pick these four cards, whichever four you're going to unban, or five, some artifact lands, bridge from below, preordain, whatever. Secret layer unbanned. You can start commissioning the artwork now. <laughs> Once that secret layer is ready, you just announce the unbanning and an- announce the secret layer. The inverse Uro card that got the secret layer and the advanced later. This is like the inverse one. <laughs> well, I just wanted to make sure that Wizards like feels like they have something to gain from this, right? Like, they're not going to put these cards in the Lord of the Rings set, so it's not like you know Green Sun Zenith is unbanned and it's also can get a Frodo or something. No, like you have you have to give wizards a reason. These cards have to be for sale. And with Secret Lair, like it's actually doable now. So I think they should consider it. Uh, I agree, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they I, I think they should consider it as long as I don't care about them unbanning anything as long as they promise to like make sure they can unban they are willing to ban it again. Yeah, well said. But yeah, thanks so much everybody for joining. I'm gonna go cry till Monday for my baby boy. <laughs> because of course Brennan 6 gets to live free of any sin, but the noodly boy has to die for other people's sins. So hope everybody see the episode and see ya soon. See ya. Bye-bye. Deck lists for this episode can be found at our homepage, faithlessbrewing.com. And tune in next time for new brews with the Elder Dragon War, plus testing results with Haughty Jin. Support for this podcast is provided by brewers like you. Join the Faithless family and help support the show at patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing for Discord access, bonus content, and more. That's all for today. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time. 